Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrel pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing, man. And that's remarkable. Alex, typically I would start this podcast by writing down a note on my in my notebook here saying cold open and then underneath it maybe an idea for a bad joke but um today i just wrote three question marks and i got nothing it's a weird day it's a very weird day uh there's no baseball today and there's uh there's no baseball tomorrow or the next day or the day after that and frankly i don't know when it's uh when there's gonna be baseball again it makes it very strange to try to prep for a podcast which is so, so, so low on the concerns that anyone should have about the world right now. Um, Alex and I, later in this episode, we are going to talk to Bradford William Davis. He he is a columnist at the New York Daily News, and he was the third and final in our What Will Define Baseball in 2020 preview series, which was <laughs> a premature idea because we didn't know that what will probably define baseball this year is going to be the global pandemic of the coronavirus. Um, we're obviously going to talk about that a little bit, and we're going to try to think of creative ways to record a podcast every week in the interim. But before we do all that, uh, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Faisley. And this is Tipping Pitches. So if you haven't been paying quite as close attention to Major League Baseball in the last two weeks, I understand why. But... uh the sport that we love and, and follow so closely has uh, not been unaffected. Uh, MLB will suspend the beginning of the season for a minimum of two weeks. They've started to send players home from spring training uh, in Arizona and from Florida. And uh, it looks like the two-week number is going to be the most optimistic estimate and that the season is going to be delayed probably I don't even know, and it's probably not even worth speculating, but that it'll be delayed well At into least April, until May. Not May. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Alex, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> we stay indoors. <laughs> Folks, you're getting a podcast every single day, whether you like it or not. <laughs> I feel like we should actually do that. You know, like we should we should just come to you live every every morning for two hours. If you're listening right now to this podcast. I don't know why. You got bigger things to to be concerned about, probably. But we thank you for listening anyway. And you would want to be the type of person that would listen to two hours of us every morning. I don't know. Venmo us for our this services. Is our, <laughs> this is our heel turn into drive time radio. Turns out that We've been coronavirus that is exactly what we needed. Uh, among the obviously larger societal concerns, there are some concerns in the baseball world, too. I mean, you and I were talking before we got on got on to record this podcast just about how during times like this, it seems like the people who are most vulnerable obviously are the most affected and there's no exception in baseball, right? Like there's, it was almost an absolute lock that MLB would find a way to screw over minor leaguers harder than they usually do during this crisis. And uh, they didn't waste any time because it seems like minor leaguers are not going to get paid and they're just going to get sent home and told to uh, find day jobs amidst a global pandemic. Can you explain that to me and what MLB thinks is going to happen there? Yeah, it's, I mean, this is something that's not 
exclusive to the world of baseball, but you know, a, a global pandemic like this has as many economic implications as it does health implications. And like you were saying, minor league players, um, there's there's no structure in place for them to continue getting paid, and they're already paid criminal wages. They haven't been paid since August of last year. Minor league baseball players have not been paid any money from baseball since August of last year, which is stunning. And there's no system in place to for all the hourly workers who who staff major and minor league stadiums to get their pay either. And these organizations are moving really slow yeah. on actually addressing this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I wrote that down in my notes as well. Like, what what happens to minor leaguers, but also what happens to the hourly employees who staff the stadiums? And I think really the only answer, and it's a bleak answer, is that you have to rely on the goodwill of whatever owner owns the organization. And if you're a long-time listener of the show, or even if you're a short-time listener of the show, or even if you're a first-time listener of the show, you probably will understand that it's not always good to... Uh, put your trust in the hands of owners. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm hoping there's been a couple owners that have set aside some money to pay hourly employees in the interim for what they would have been guaranteed to make had the season started at normal time. So we'll see if all owners follow suit on that. We'll see if Rob Manfred steps up and maybe encourages or requires, I don't know what his power is in that front, but encourages owners to set aside money for hourly employees or, dips into some big major league baseball fund that I personally don't know exists. <laughs> um, I want to point people to two platforms if they are interested in actually helping out minor league players who are affected by this sort of thing. Uh, Adopt a minor leaguer, which was a Twitter account uh, started back in February, uh, was set up to basically connect fans with minor league players and um, you know, you can effectively sponsor them and send them care packages or help them buy meals, whatever you want to do. Um, I can't believe, I mean, it's, I know that I, this I, is I, a really good thing that you're reading about and, and letting people know about. It's just like ridiculous. Like no nonprofit should exist in the world because all of their purposes should just be like done by the government, right? Yeah. Like our society should just function. You shouldn't have to set up a GoFundMe to pay for your surgery, but what a world we live in. So if you, if you are actually interested um, in, you know, the throw, even just throwing a few dollars their way or buying them an Amazon gift card or something like that, you can go to, go to twitter.com slash adopt M-I-L-B player. Um, and also More Than Baseball uh, is a nonprofit that whose larger goal is to basically fight for um, the rights of minor leaguers and the rights for them to get paid living wages. And, uh, and they have a page set up as well if you want to help minor leaguers provide for their families during what is a really, a really difficult moment. Yeah. Uh, Obvious caveat, we don't know anything that's going to happen in the near or long-term future. Um, but our plan going forward is because we can't talk about the upcoming season, really, even though the rest of this podcast is in theory about the upcoming season. I think you'll see in our segment with Bradford that he decided to take a very long view of uh, the long-term future of baseball and its viability culture-wise. But um, And so the, stick the potential inevitable heat death of baseball? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> So stick around for that segment. Uh, but in the next in the next few weeks, Alex, um, 
you and I are planning to do uh, a little bit of a tipping pitches classics segment. So we're going to pick some games. We're going to watch them in a lot of instances for the first time. You know, some um, I think a lot of these choices that we're going to make are before you and I were even born. And I haven't gone back and watched a lot of these games. Um, so it's it's going to be games from either when we were very young and don't remember watching them or maybe even before we were born. But we're going to pick games, watch them. I guess kind of talk about like the bigger takeaways, talk about how we would have talked about them then, talk about how we would like to talk about them now if they were going on now. And I guess just list our biggest takeaways from those games. So in a pinch, we need some baseball, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also think it's it's an interesting task to go back and reevaluate what have been lauded as like these very critical, pivotal moments in the game of baseball. I think the hope is that we're going to look at some games that um, that people might just chalk up as being like some of the greatest games in, you know, the last 20 or 30 years or whatever. Um, but try and look at them, look at them through a, a critical lens and ask kind of what they, what they tell us about the game today and maybe what they, what they leave out. Yeah. So we're going to pick a lot of tentpole games in theory. So uh, the first one that we're choosing, you want to watch it before next week. It'll be 1991 World Series Game 7. Jack Morris's complete, I guess more than complete game shutout, 10 innings uh, between the Braves and the Twins. So uh, I'm really looking forward to doing this. I am sad about the fact that we have to do this, of course, but I think we are going to try to make the most out of it. Hell yeah. I'm excited to watch some watch some grainy baseball. I'm excited to watch John Smoltz actually pitch instead of listen to him talk. Yeah, <laughs> Because you know it's it's our take here on tipping pitches that athletes should just sh- shut up and play. <laughs> take the microphone away. Uh, no, I these games. I want to mention also that these games are all available via YouTube. A lot of them, or, or maybe all of them, I don't know yet. We haven't settled on every single game, but um, a lot of them will be available via MLB Vault, which is they'll put the full game on YouTube, and everyone will be able to go watch it. So I encourage people to just hook up their laptop to their TV or or however you get YouTube via your TV and put it on and just pretend it's real baseball. <laughs> That's what we're doing now. <laughs> and, and and we'll drop the link uh, on our Twitter as well if you want to follow along. And if you have any ideas for games to watch, please let us know because, uh, because this is an idea that is <laughs> still in its uh, formative stages. Yes. And we don't have every game picked out. So... Uh, so DM us, shoot us an email. Tell us uh tell us why we should watch the Diamondbacks versus the Cardinals in late July in 2005. Why does it matter to you? <laughs> um I feel like this is going to work out better than Trevor Bauer's wiffle ball sandlot game, right? Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't get through this intro without mentioning Trevor Bauer. Uh anyway, we are going to take a quick break and when we come back, you're going to talk to Bradford Davis. Alex, we're doing a season preview series for a season that we're not sure is actually going to start at the same time that we thought originally when we began this segment. We thought we were being cute and nifty, bringing on smart baseball people to talk about the upcoming 2020 season, and it might not be as up and coming, but on the line to preview it anyway and talk about what is going to be 
hopefully the dominant storyline of a season that will happen, is Bradford William Davis, New York Daily News columnist and the host of the Five and Dive podcast over at Baseball Prospectus. Bradford, returning guest. Hi, thank you for joining us on this very weird day. It feels like, uh, you know, society is crumbling before my very eyes, probably because it is. Um, I just watched a Knicks-Hawks game that may be the last NBA game I watch in months. It was meaningless. It went into overtime, though. And uh, I want to say Alfred Payton balled out. Um, anyway, that's uh, that's the oral history of the class <laughs> basketball game. <laughs> <Wait. laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thousands of years now, people will find this podcast. Find this MP3 what, file. Yeah, to understand what basketball, like basket hyphen ball. Someone's going to be know. mining the deep web for the podcast feeds of, of yesteryear, finding this conversation. I I really hope that we are the time capsule that someone digs up. <laughs> I <you don't>. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bradford, we brought you on to talk about to be the the third and final of our season preview series about what will define baseball in 2020 now uh we are recording this on wednesday night 7 15 p.m pacific time thank you guys for your your patience and your hopeful attentiveness at after 10 p.m on the east coast as you guys record this um the way the, the way you said that the way you said the like the day and, and time made it sound like you were like recording a log, you know, and yeah, you're I, like, this is a log. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wednesday, March 11th. So obviously I'm alluding to the fact that the, the MLB's response to coronavirus might change over the next couple of days. You guys won't be hearing this podcast until Monday morning, the 16th. So um, we're going to try not to talk too much in the past, but we, we do want to talk with you, Bradford, about um, what you think will define baseball in 2020. So we've been asking people, um, kind of at the beginning of this, this, these preview series, what they're most excited for before we get into what will define the season. So is there something that you're really looking forward to that you are the most excited about? I know you kind of focus a lot on New York sports and it's going to be an interesting and eventful and hopefully positive season for both New York baseball teams. Um, but is there something that you're really looking forward to at the, the eventual start of the season? Hey, I mean, it's great that, uh, the, uh, the same year the Mets get, uh, picked as the uh, Pakoda odds-on favorites to win the division. That, like, you know, sports is is on hiatus. Only uh, it's so hard for me, man. I'm just such a bitter cynic to think of like what makes me happy about anything these days. So um, what you're saying is coronavirus is just a part of the Mets curse. It's just an an offshoot of that. Well, you remember hand, foot, and mouth disease. <laughs> This is like that times 25,000. How young and innocent we were. I really do enjoy the idea of like all these upstart teams that are like actually going out and trying to like win some damn games this year. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of cool. You know, Um, you know, the White Sox, you know, like, hey, maybe it all works out. You know, maybe uh, Grendel and and Keuchel and, you know, and... uh, Whatever they they put in their water that makes twenty two year old superstars decide to sign below market deals, like <laughs> you know, like and all you know, the whole collection is talent. You know, they they uh, they ball out and win eighty nine games and you know, challenge a playoff spot. You know, like that's cool. Um, last year was you know got very dismal times. I watched way too many Yankees Orioles games for my health. Uh, again, I'll probably do that again. Um, but uh, but at least like you know, there are some like interesting 
teams on the up and up this year that will make, you know, that, that are like worthy fodder. You know what I mean? Even if not, they're not odds on favorites. And that's, and that's cool. So like, so I'm excited about that, man. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, the return of a dude like Shohei Otani, you know, you know, I can't, I can't complain about that. Like that's, you know, he's one of the most exciting, interesting players in, in the game. Um, I mean, return of him on the mound as well, of course, you know, not just uh, at the plate. Um, you know, that there are a few like really, really great players in the very, in their very prime right now. Uh, Trout, of course, Betts, Christian Yelich, all in the late 20s. Bellinger, younger than them, but just as good, <laughs> more or less. So, like, you know, there's like actual star power floating around the league, and that's kind of, you know, that's also cool to see as a, as a fan. Um, anyway. Yeah, we, we had Hannah Kaiser of Yahoo Sports on last week. She outlined her thoughts on on what might dominate the season, and and that was kind of that there were actually there actually is this kind of like middle class of teams that are actually going for it, right? And that there are going to be fan bases who actually might be like heartbroken at the end of the year that aren't just like Yankees fans or Dodgers fans who you know are heartbroken fifty percent of the time, and the other fifty percent they're like elated or whatever. Um, right, right, yeah, I- t- team, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just saying, man, like I, I I listened to that podcast a few days ago um, or recently. Um, and uh, like, I, I really liked the, 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 the point that Hannah made of like at being healthy for the league to see uh, teams get disappointed in mid-September, you know, yeah, yeah. late September, whatever. Like that means something like I, I, I got the witness that firsthand because the Mets were one of the few teams that actually kind of went for it. Mm-hmm. Um. Even though that you know, even though the odds were unlikely, it was a really fun season. You know that 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 it lasted till the last weekend. You know, mm-hmm. um, that meant something, and it just it just added so much more um, joy and stakes. I you know that uh, in August, man, it was like it was legitimately energetic, like to be be at City Field. You know, um, after very dismal, depressing. You know, even <laughs> forget depressing previous years is depressing in like June. You know, um, to. Uh, to see this, like, you know, to, to see this team have fun and, and just, you know, win ball games and just be in and all the time, you know, that, that, um, that, that matters for like the, again, the overall health of the game. So I, I, I was, that, that, that was very much in tune with, you know, sort of my heart. Uh, I'm glad she put, what she brought that up. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I don't, by any means, I don't think that it necessarily means that labor relations are going to be in a good place going forward. I mean, we have a no, CBA. I don't know expiring next year that I think there's going to be a lot of contention over but I think that it does kind of work in cycles I was trying to articulate that point with Hannah and I don't know if I was quite as articulate as I would like to be sometimes about these things but I think it sort of works in cycles where like a lot of these teams have enough young exciting players and maybe it's uncertainty about how set the CBA and income is going to be next year but they're they're signing team friendly deals and they're staying with these teams and it's giving teams the uh, it's giving teams a good feeling like they can compete. And so that means that they're not just like shelling out to get rid of these players while they still have value a la Manny Machado and the Orioles, so to speak. But um, I, I, I'm at least cautiously optimistic that it's going to be a really good baseball season and there's going to be a lot of teams trying really hard. I am sort of worried about like two-thirds of the way through the season that uh, you start to see some of that narrative flip on some of these fan bases and it just like digs ourselves deeper into the the hole of like well why did we try to compete with like 
with signing such and such guys who are past the age of 30? Or why did we why did we not try to reset our window for later when all of these other teams were projected to be good at the same time? Yeah, I mean, and the obvious answer is because that's why you play. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the game, uh, because it's an entertainment product first and foremost, not a... Uh, Speak that truth, Bradford. You know, like <laughs> baseball is not a... Uh, uh, or should not be, you know, I guess all, all of life is essentially an asset portfolio. <laughs> in <the> cosmic <laughs> sense. But, you know, it certainly should not be, you know, and for its overall health, it need, it, you know, like it's important for it to uh, not appear to be just teams optimizing their windows. <laughs> but, um, um, but, you know, but, but just, but, but uh, everyone in earnest, you know, trying to be the best version of themselves that it can be that day. You know? Cancel culture hasn't gone far enough until it cancels the word optimization. Ah. Uh, I thought you were going to say until it cancels the MLB season, but that was maybe too dark. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't worry. Is, 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 is this virus like just cancel culture embodied? <laughs> that's my, uh, that's my Quillette essay. That's a really, oh, it's a really deep take <laughs> for, for some very online people, but yeah. So as, as Bobby prefaced, um, we, you know, we're bringing people on to kind of talk about the, the overarching, storylines for the season and we couch that in it it not being about the astros because we already know that the astros are going to be the the dominating storyline for the season and we have to maybe put a little like addendum and be like and also not coronavirus because that's also going to be uh, an overarching storyline but those two aside you you DM'd us last night in a in a bit of a a, a crisis it seemed um, because you you weren't quite sure where you wanted to take this but you you laid out some really interesting thoughts um, that I think diverted a little bit from from the stuff that we've talked about in the last couple episodes so do you kind of want to give us a peek into what what you'll be thinking about in the coming year unleash the take all right all right <laughs> brace yourself. <laughs> Um, so I have this, I have to, I, you know, I should give a quick disclaimer. I'm in a very melancholy state of mind, despite like, you know, the, uh, gallows humor and everything is deeply concerning that, you know, for example, our administration, the, the current presidential administration is actively attempting to avoid common sense measures to, uh, quell a virus that could kill our grandparents and stuff, you know, or, you know, the immune immunity compromised personally in our lives. Um, so, you know, so I under, understand me, the, the, uh, curmudgeon, you know, the, uh, uh, that I am, but I've been thinking a lot. I, I, uh, I've been thinking a lot about what's the meme. Please like my sport with baseball as like, you know, we're relatively young people, um, knowing that, that knows that, uh, you know, our, uh, much of the fan, much of baseball's fan base, though baseball does have a significant fan base is a lot older than uh competing sports in america you know but wanting it to be relevant wanting to be matter because because this game is awesome like it really is you know um and it and it and it had and there's and it's been and it's it is such an important part of, of american life and history um you know but thinking like how you know how can we how can baseball be relevant right uh or, or rather you know or, or or show its relevance you know um and you know, part of that is in better marketing of its players, right? Like there are some of the great, the, the, literally the greatest athletes to ever play baseball are playing right now. You know, um, when you consider the training, the uh, 
skills are developing when, you know, as kids that diet, you know, like, you know, uh, was it Adam Adovino's joke about like how he, you know, strike out Babe Ruth all the time. I, I believe it. Like, <laughs> uh, Babe Ruth is, was fat, ate 20 hot dogs and, you know, never had to play against black people. Um, so like, so yeah, he would, he would get destroyed by whatever 6,000 RPM, you know, slider <laughs> that Adovino is wrong. So like, you know, anyway, but like the best athletes in the world are playing this game as you know, at this point, um, best baseball athletes. But what if, again, stay with me, brace yourself. What if baseball's existential crisis is that the players that it has, many of the players that it has, many of its best players have nothing to promote. Besides baseball excellence. So like, you know, we're talking about like when, when, when major league baseball says like, let the kids play. Right. Right. What it's really saying is let baseball players express themselves, their whole of themselves when they're out, you know, on or off the field or whatever. Right. That, you know, so, so just be more of yourself, but what if that self sucks (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or it's, or, or is at best boring, you know? Um, the thought came to mind in part because of, uh, a recent, um, news drop from, you know, that again, hooks back to coronavirus actually. Uh, but, uh, a couple of nationals players, including Trey Turner were golfing with the president of the United States. Uh, his name is Donald Trump. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, you know, and Trump was at CPAC, hence the coronavirus thing. Which is, you know, apparently there's an infection there. Um, but the reason why it was, it's not, not especially significant, which is part of the problem that, you know, baseball players would cozy up to the president of the United States, despite his um, active assault against everything we hold good and dear in the world. Um, but uh, it was pretty striking that Turner did it, given that he was caught, I want to say in 2018, with some really, really wild, crazy tweets where he was like making racist jokes and, and you know, uh, anti-gay jokes. You know, he was a teenager, but it was still like extremely gross. And you know, you should still know better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was one of the few players that who who had been caught in that. The, the first one, the first was uh, uh, Josh Hader, right? Um, of the Orioles, not Orioles, excuse me, the Brewers. Uh, and then you know, a few other dudes also got caught with like N words and stuff like that. Um. And so uh, Turner gives the most contrite apology uh, press conference. He's like tearing up. He's like, you know, like no excuses, like et cetera. Different person now, but like there's no, there's no excuse for what, for what I did. And, you know, blah, 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 I'm paraphrasing. And so uh, he does all that. And then now, he, now he's out golfing with someone who is actualizing all of the horrible, horrible, bigoted things <laughs> that yeah. he said. And this is like, again, you know, like he's not the biggest superstar, but he's a star, right? You know, like he's a young, bright face of the defending world champion team. Um, and I'm like, yo, how common is this? Like who, like if, if the, if, if you pick your favorite team, if they won the world series, like, would they do the same thing? Are they saying the same things about people behind the scenes? Yeah. Would they, would they go golf with the president? If given the invite, answer's probably yes, yo. I know I I I I feel like I'm sounding like too like SJW right now, but like, um, but like <laughs> part of the, the right appe- part, of, yeah, part, yeah, so right, right, pod, but like part of the part of the thing that like appeals to you know that that ideally would appeal, you know, make make an athlete 
grown athletes appeal is them being, you know, likable. And, and as a journalist, I want to like lead with empathy as, you know, when I write about these people, but like, as like a black person who also cares about the plight and afflictions and hurdles that other people, um, who, you know, of of various identities deal with, I don't like this. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if like, if major league baseball has this conundrum on their hand of like, if we're going to, you know, uh, if, if people were to express their true selves, would anything, you know, would, would we like what we see ever? I think that's a really interesting question. I think it's a question that's been underlying kind of like every episode of this podcast that we've ever recorded, you know, cause like, you know, Alex and I's big thing has always been, we wish that baseball was better at promoting itself into the world almost in the way that basketball has been. And we've made it a little bit of an inside joke on this podcast to talk about how we wish that baseball would take some of those cues and take some of those lessons from basketball. But I think you're right. I think there is like an underlying darkness to baseball that comes from its history that we don't talk about. It's history even that we do talk about and just kind of like the player pool that we're pulling from, right? Because there are probably a lot more I mean, I should just take the word probably out of this. There's more Trey Turners than there are Tim Andersons. That's It's just a fact of the demographics of the sport. Black player percentage has been dwindling for quite a while now. It doesn't look like it, they're making that much of a good faith effort to turn it around. But I, I bear with me here on like this very rare sense of optimism that I'm going to share right now. But what what do you guys think of the idea of like, a younger baseball media, a younger baseball fandom, sort of like a small movement within baseball fandom to call this stuff out nakedly. We didn't have Twitter 10 years ago calling this stuff out. We didn't have as many young people of color, women with the ability to write about the sport and to actually shine a spotlight on some of these actions like from Josh Hader. I mean, we had John Rocker and like, yeah, I, I feel like that was like one of the main turning points, but that was sort of like the exception, you know, like he had a long quote, paragraph quote that he was willing to go on the record to for a reporter. And this feels different than that. It feels like we are, we are less willing to take some of this stuff from baseball players. And so I wonder if it just like starts a new cycle in a positive way of like, forcing baseball players to sort of engage with their relevance in society and some of their more bigoted views, to put it plainly. What? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, I think that's interesting. It just feels like it's a, it seems to be just a vocal loud minority on Twitter yeah. more than anything. Um, the reason why I'd still be pessimistic is because one is a vocal, vocal minority. Two, there's so much money in the game that I think insulates from a genuine, like (laughs) self-examination. But I think the other problem is that baseball is a, I think really the the phrase I'm going at is baseball's indomitable whiteness sort of like incubates these kinds of problems Um, that, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Bobby, like the, the player pool, you know, being, you know, being pulled from like this kind of like very similar sort of white suburban upper middle class um, base um, that would, you know, you know, likely very segregated and, you know, perpetuating many of the, uh, you know, the same issues. Um, 
or, or, or I should say the same, you know, sort of, I, I think often a very similar worldview about themselves, about others. Now, some people are more like dogmatic. Some people are wearing MAGA caps like uh, Patrick Corbin did mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple years ago. Um, you know, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was, it was Corbin, Archie, Archie Bradley, a couple others, right, on the Diamondbacks. I mean, like, you know, there's something to become people more dogmatic, conscientiously, like, you know, uh, assenting to bad things, let's say. But, like, when you're pulling from this particularly isolated, literally isolated, due to, like, you know, again, just vast segregation in the country. Um, but, like, you know, but, but a, a, I guess a, a pool of Americans that, that, that so rarely has to consider their place in the world, you know, um, it kind of makes sense that, like, character and, uh, and compassion for people very different from them than them would just not really materialize in any sort of meaningful way. Um, that plus the money. Plus money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to your point, Bobby, about kind of, about whether this younger and um, more diverse, just in background and experience fan base, um, whether they can kind of push push the sport, not even not even to the left, but just kind of push the sport forward. To you know, I yeah. Mean, I mean, for fear of sounding like Andrew Yang, um, but <laughs> that's um, the first and last time that sentence will ever get spoken on this podcast. Um, I think my worry is that because like baseball is absolutely at this kind of like inflection point, right? Where you have this like real like culture tug of war. And I think that what players are, are learning and coming to terms with is not necessarily that like their actions impact other people or they actually like have a platform that they are responsible for, but more just like that, they have to be more careful about what they say and who they say it to. And for some baseball players, like that doesn't even apply at all. Right. I mean, for guys like Kurt Suzuki and Trey Turner and, you know, that, that whole cohort of nationals players, right. Like they clearly (laughs) didn't give a shit about the, the people on Twitter yelling at them. Um, And they didn't give a shit so much that like they, they palled around with them twice. Um, there will be a, a large portion of baseball players who like, however they feel will maybe just like polish up their forward facing image a, a little bit more and just be like, okay, well, I just won't tweet. I just, uh, I won't, I won't do a MAGA hashtag because I know that like people are going to yell at me. So I just, uh, I'll just keep those ideas to myself. And it's, I think that like, yes, this, this younger generation of fans has the, ability to to pull the sport in that more open-minded direction but as we were talking about like i i don't think it's going to happen until that pool of players and those pipelines into the game open up and actually start coming from everywhere and i think that like you're seeing that with a lot of players from latin america who can absolutely lead that charge um but like until there's just like widespread acceptance of that style of play. I don't know. This is, this is like the storyline that's going to dominate baseball this year and the next year and the next year. And like, it's we're really at a turning point. Well, I, I want to say though, like 
I'm cautiously optimistic because like these players are so good that teams are at the point where like they're just employing them and it's just going to become more and more regular and granted like people who have prejudices are going to dig deeper into their holes of their prejudices but at some point it's just going to be like this is how we play baseball you're just going to have to accept it and I think the word the phrase that you used Alex being flashpoint like this definitely is a flashpoint for how how we start to accept the way that the young superstars of our game right now like I think of two guys that I would predict to be the faces of baseball in the next 10 or 10, three guys, actually. We'll say three guys because Glaber Torres plays in New York. I don't find him otherwise compelling other than the fact that he's a very good and <laughs> good player and seems like a nice guy. But Francisco Lindor and Fernando Tatis Jr., like those are the guys. Those are the guys. They play shortstop and they play with flair. They play with fun. They seem like they love the game while they're playing it. They, they I'm sure they do love the game while they're playing it. And it's like we have an opportunity to make those guys the face of the game and I think that they would be accepting of that and like I just don't think that there's any way that we can deny them they're that good and they're that fun and they're that perfect for what we're asking for that like I just want to like from this internet baseball community wrap our arms around them and 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 don't let the rest of the baseball world poison the well on this conversation man you know Bradford's not convinced. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. It's not that you're not making sense. It's like, again, I I speak out of deep melancholy pessimism. I think one issue, there there are a couple issues at hand. Um, The game does want to promote these players. But however, the game is structurally invested in those players only being a fraction of the talent pool, talent pool. There are so many obstacles to playing baseball at all especially at a high level and amateur, you know? Yeah. They keep so much, especially particularly domestic American, non-white talent, let's say, you know, yeah. <laughs> a non-white, non-wealthy. Um, because I think another interesting subplot that probably should be discussed more is that, is that so many of uh, the young amateur black talent tends to be like this, the sons of like our favorite nineties players. I guess, Oh, Hey, Marcus, Marquise Grissom and Drew Jones. Wait, yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like you know, awesome that these guys are, these guys are playing. I, I saw that bad flip, but like you know, but they're but they uh, you know, but they are you know wealthy folks who can pay for travel teams and then some. Yeah, <laughs> so, and already already had like a foot and a bat in the door because yeah. like their their dads were already ambassadors for the game. Right, right, right like exactly. they they had that leg up on on every other African American kid trying to play. Yeah, and that's a sidebar, but like. But yeah, there's so many structural barriers, you know, um, that I, I was talking to someone recently who's, uh, uh, whose son is a college baseball player, like D1. Um, but, you know, grew up, you know, he's from home, from New York. And, uh, he was telling me about how, like, when his son was being, was just, you know, looking into like, you know, college baseball programs, which, uh, notoriously do not have nearly as many like paid scholar or full scholarships as, uh, like NBA or NFL, not NBA, sorry, excuse me, basketball, or football. Um, in the NCAA, um, like, uh, you know, a co- coach telling him like, well, you know, we already have a Latino player. <laughs> well, Jeez. we already have a black player. Uh, like that, you know, that was, that's sort of like a, a uh, just, just a, a common, you know, pu- well-known way of assessing talent is we have one <laughs> yeah. as far, you know, that, that was, you know, shocking to me, but, but then it sh- really shouldn't be shocking because I understand this country, but like, but, um, so yeah, so there's so many structural barriers, like for like 
you know, the non-international talent that can be had relatively cheaply. Mm-hmm. And then even still, there seems to be like a, you know, a lack of um, real like interrogation of like imploring baseball players to truly do better and to be like, to have to develop like, I guess, a, um, a personality worth rooting for. Um, you know, I, I, it was, it was, when I was at the, uh, when I was at the winter meetings, um, the, uh, Yankees assistant GM, Gene Afterman, uh, was speaking of this panel about on like diversity and inclusion and like front offices. And there was a quote, I just found it while, um, we were all talking, uh, where she says, uh, something to the effect of like, you know, uh, and this is like, she, she's like connecting everything like Jackie Robinson is, everyone always does. Um, cause that's the only time we major league baseball's ever had a social conscious was when they <laughs> uh you know wait this path of jackie but yeah. uh you know we you, she says you know we have a lot of guys who are probably very conservative in our, in our clubhouse and you know they work alongside people who are who are whose families are being deported but they all manage to work together as a team and for that i think baseball is a rich history and tradition that you know should be celebrated um, round of applause well, I yeah, guess. And, and this was you know the, again assistant general manager of the new york yankees and on a panel about in, about improving diversity and inclusion yeah. in major league baseball like oh you know it seems like the incentive goes as far as like not as again just deleting old tweets you know yeah and not like okay like like how can i make my teammates life better <laughs> yeah. when he's not inside the ballpark or when someone does not have a you know a seventeen million dollar year contract to insulate themselves from the worst of that you know <laughs> that this country offers, like and that's like you know and that that that's that's kind of why I am just kind of like in this dismal dismal place about you know um, what can baseball promote of itself, and then I'll, I'll, I'll also add this like among the there are often players that not often I should say, but there are players that are trying to develop this sort of like stardom i the, the one that really comes to mind is and is, is not i promise it won't be a cheating you know digression but alex bregman um <laughs> yeah who was like you know he's young he's he's gen well we hope genuinely great <laughs> at hitting baseballs um again i'm not going to get distracted <laughs> sign stealing um but you know but he's had like a number of like you know profiles about like his excellence you know or, or rather or not his, his, ex, his baseball excellence but like his uh about him wanting to be like you know baseball's you know new superstar and like putting a lot of effort into that and uh in this uh in, in a, a, i want to say june lee's bleacher report profile um bregman discusses the uh you know he did something like what did he what did he do he um he was like looking, he's, I think he's an Adidas sponsor or rather he's sponsored by Adidas. And so he has some pair, like a pair of like Yeezys, Kanye West sneaker. And, and he's deciding whether or not he's going to, I think he's going to wear them. I think, I think the, the I think the, uh, that he needed approval from Kanye or something like that. Um, and he's like, well, I don't mess. I don't F with him anyway. Cause, uh, cause he likes, he wears MAGA caps. Um, and then earlier, and then and then I remember a few months ago, or a few months before that profile, uh, this is like the 2017 World Series. So he was asked, like, if the Astros were to win a World Series, who would, uh, you know, would you go to the White House? And he says in the effect of, well, 
I want to listen to who to see what what my teammates Carlos Beltran and Carlos Correa think. Very very significantly, you mentioned both of them because they're both Puerto Ricans. Mm-hmm. Um, this is right during the you know right around the time of the Hurricane Maria, you know, um, and the terrible response to it by the government. And you know, and notably, both you know Beltran and, and Correa <laughs> found reasons not to show up when the Astros didn't win the World Series. But you know, guess he shows up. <laughs> You know, yeah. you, you fill in you fill in the blank. Like, it, it, you know, you, even even the folks who are like extremely image conscious still seem to like give in so quickly to like the ba- like the most like basic stances, like the, the most basic um, steps you could take to display like genuine courage and solidarity for people who are not like you. I don't care whether you wear Yeezys or not. I don't care, you know, whether you do cameos on whatever film or TV show. Like, will you ever do anything of meaning in the most in one, in, in in most like critical political juncture of your life? You know, I guess or to do something that again that make that makes Carlos career, Carlos Beltran's families, you know, lives. It's a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there does feel like there is like a startling lack of proactivity when it comes to baseball players and their involvement in politics, but like more so in culture, I guess. Like there is like a reactive element to it that I think ends up being manifesting in a malicious way. And the only real way to make this structural change, and this is something that Alex and I have tried to talk about, but it's like really hard to talk about because it's hard to talk and know about what would make a demonstrable change without devoting your life to reporting on these kind of things or talking about these kind of things every week or or talking to like local Little League chapter presidents or something like that. But like the only real way to structurally make this change is to wait a really long time and have a grassroots movement where like Little League Baseball somehow to, somehow becomes an institution and an organization that we can actually trust with teaching our young kids about how to be inclusive and, and how to be accepting and dismantling toxic masculinity at a young age in the game. And, and also, like, you know, you've used the word segre- like segregation, Bradford, a couple times on this podcast. And desegregating little leagues is going to have to come with desegregating cities, which is like a really impossible seem seemingly impossible thing to do right now in American culture. And I think that kind of grassroots movement and that kind of structural movement is something that we talk about on the show from time to time, but something that feels really far away. And I like, I am usually when we end up talking about this, I'm usually left like asking the question, like where, what path are we taking towards that? And and what does that even look like? What does that look like on an individual structural or on an individual's personal engagement level? You know. Oh, but enough about the the twenty twenty Democratic primary. <laughs> <laughs> I, it feels the stuff that we were talking about like tracks so closely to things that I was thinking about like two nights ago as voters are going to the polls, and I'm just like, this is we. There is there's one reality in every aspect of our lives it plays out through that lens. It's 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 really miserable. Um, I think that like the hardest part for me right now is like looking at the game and I'm like, who's the, who is like the biggest ambassador for the game right now? 
Like, who is the guy who is, like, out there the most and who, like, people kind of know who he is? And, like, it it pains me to say it, but, like, I think it's Trevor Bauer. Like, uh, what ha- what happens when the biggest ambassador for the game is just, like, kind of a piece of shit, <laughs> you know? Like, and and this is what happens when these are the demographics you're pulling from, right? It's like, these are the kind of cultural figures who are going to pop up. Um, And what a, what a, what a excellent, excellent example. Yeah. Uh, You know, like like, sincerely, because like, you know, because he, he is investing so much of his time in, in helping baseball players promote themselves. But again, but like, you know, but what is Trevor Bauer apps to promote of himself? Yeah. Like, you know, again, besides being 7% better than the league average, <laughs> when he's on the mound, <laughs> <laughs> never forget that he's had one year of the year one, before. One year. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. As a big Noah Syndergaard defender who's only had one and a half years of that, cool it, guys. Cool it. <laughs> um, but, uh, Despite all that, like he he wants you know players to be you know their honest and true selves everywhere, right? Like that's the whole point of like the whole watch momentum thing. But like, but then you know we've seen Trevor Bauer's honest and true self, like, and that's like antagonizing people for being sad about Muslims being banned from the country. Like, um, and that's I'm not saying I'm not, and you know, like even in all this, like if any if anyone Trevor Pro for those who've lasted through my navel gaze as long as I have, I have like been ranting about this, but like, it's not to say these guys are like intrinsically evil, you know, but like, but this is, but they're not, they're, they're not endearing. If you know, like, <laughs> you know, um, it's one way of putting it, you know, like, like, <laughs> that's like, you know, the, the, st- the stakes are a little too high these days to, to, to like, just be able to, so blatant, so easily com- com- compartmentalizing that stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, like, like, like I, again, as, uh, and I, and I say that as someone who genuinely seeks it to, to show empathy towards every player in the clubhouse, whether they listen to Charlie Kirk or Alex Jones, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in their spare time or both, um, you know, but, um, but we talk, you know, but, but so much talk about like, like you know, Kurt Schilling's not in the, not in the Hall of Fame because he's so flagrantly detestable. But like, how many people genuinely disagree with like the actual ideas he you know he puts out in the world? But just like, don't again, just don't tweet it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and any in any profile, and I think and any pro any I think any I think it's almost a disservice at this point, you know, to not have to to write these like stories about these people without like asking them their ideas of the world. And like having the challenge of man, and, and, and that's you know, and, and, and maybe that, and maybe that, maybe that is the eventual hope that like you know the press, you know, self included, like asks ball players to think about what it means to be rich in a society where most people don't have access to you know healthcare um, yeah. or adequate healthcare, uh, what it means you know um, what it means to be white and what that confers. <laughs> You know how how that opens how that opens the door to you know whatever you want to be whether it's an accountant or an athlete, um, like uh, it's 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 kind of our job to uh, with the access that we have, you know, um, 
to not just, I guess, uh, refract the image they want to provide, but like, but to, you know, but to make, you know, but, but, but to, but to, I guess, ask real questions. I don't know. It feels like small potatoes sometimes when like, like, like Josh Hader comes up and, or, or Josh Hader comes out from the bullpen and I just kind of like, I'm at a game that he's pitching in and I'm just like sitting there silently in protest of the fact that he's pitching on the, on the mound. But like, despite the fact that that feels irrelevant in the long run of all of this, I, I still think some of that stuff like matters on a person personal level. And like, I still think that we can take the smaller victories out of like knowing who we support and knowing like what we want the game to look like and, and sort of pushing that out into the world at least. I don't know. Maybe we can try that. Maybe it won't work. I don't know. Alex, what do you think? I I don't know. I'm just like once again, like I'm I feel like I'm drawn back into this like political cycle that we're in and I'm just sitting here thinking I'm like how can we how can we take cues from that? You know, like do I need to go door to door and just like <laughs> hand people flyers that say listen to CC Sabathia's podcast? Like yeah, is this fan to is fan this, at games? Is this what we got to be doing? We got to do like grassroots organizing to get people to like like baseball and and like the good people in baseball like I, <laughs> and you know i don't even think i want that i just want i, I just want i mean i mean really because, i mean no one is you know and this is part of me again attempting to be with empathy you know no no one has perfect politics or perfect values or lives up to you know the best version of their values at all times um so like you know it's it's not like you should only root for Tim Anderson to Z Sabathia. Like that's that's far from what I'm saying, you know? Like nor nor am I chastising people for for, for if they like Trevor Bauer despite his averageness or um or you know or or Josh Tweeter because Josh Hader tweeter. <laughs> Josh Hader the tweeter. Let, uh, let, let me let me just say that that you you might not be judging them for that. But I will, so I will take all of all of your judgment that doesn't exist, and I'll paste that onto mine, which absolutely <laughs> exists. No, here's what I, I mean. Uh, what, I, what I mean to say is like is like no, it's 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 wrong, and it's it's wrong, and it should offend you. But I mean to say, what I what I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's so ubiquitous, you know, like Josh Hader and whoever, like are th- those are the folks who like got caught, you know. You know what I mean? Like when I when yeah. I, I grew up, I grew up in a you know in a middle class neighborhood where not a lot of black folks, right? Um, from like in like Eminem's prime, I was, let's say. <laughs> like, I I can't I I I can't tell you white white kids from the age of like eleven to six seventeen who did not say the n word. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, it, it's you know it was a common thing that I had to constantly bite my tongue so I didn't get into fights all the time. <laughs> you know, um, growing up in junior high and high school. Like, I think there's a, there's a point where if you, you can get so dismal where you just kind of throw a baseball out entirely, you know, but what I would hope is that, is that fans would not, just, you know, not throw out baseball, but rather hold baseball accountable into something into, you know, into being something a little better than what it offers us today. Um, like root for, root for the jerseys, root for the players who throw dope sliders, root for the players who are, awesome people um and calling all of them to do better wherever you know um where, wherever they can yeah i mean yeah i <laughs> that could be the motto of this podcast you know maybe that's a little wordy for a t-shirt but it might work in a tweet <laughs> <laughs> um i i wanted to i think this is like 
one of the most and maybe the only important conversation that we can really truly have about the game of baseball in the world at large. But Bradford, I, I wanted to ask you, and we've been asking people this question um, and, and kind of like wrapping up the segment that we've been doing with them in this preview series is, you know, we've talked about what we think is going to define this year in baseball. I think Bradford, you took a long view of it and defined what will define the rest of the future of this game. And, you know, we've been asking people what they think is going to be the most undercovered story of 2020. So obviously, like, sign stealing is going to be the most overcovered story. Perhaps coronavirus might be the most properly covered story this year. In your mind, like, as especially as someone who, like, reports the news, writes columns, and that kind of thing, like, what do you think is that people are not talking about enough as we head into the season? Man, that's a, that's a really dope question. <laughs> and, and when you're so when you're extremely navel gazy, it's hard to as I am, it's hard it's hard to answer off the cuff. But like, but I guess, um, so yeah. So my answer to this question is like, I mean, it, I feel like I'm I've been a lot of it. Honestly, could just be a regurgitation of what of what I been <laughs> getting at you know previously you know in so many words, which is just that kind of like the soul of um, baseball as a thing we want to root to exist root for to exist you know because it's not like reflecting so much of what is wrong with america um contra the gene afterman quote (laughs) which tried to spin what is bad about (laughs) this country into what is good um but you know that's kind of cheating just to say that so i will say that i think something that's relatively under discussed in baseball is um it's actually the long-term viability of playing an outdoor sport all across the United States as our climate reality seems wow. to be closing oh the my potential goodness. of our ability, <laughs> our ability to uh, uh, do a lot of things, you know, yeah. um, as we know it. You know, it's, it's, I think it's especially present in mind as like, you know, coronavirus, again, is like making the world around me collapse in on itself. Um I'm going to go out and buy a bottle of bourbon just in case I'm <laughs> home for like, you know, the next like three weeks, whatever. I already had a trip canceled to, uh, I was going to go to Phoenix for Sabre seminar, but, uh, my, uh, company pulled the plug on that so that I don't get sick. Spread the <laughs> um, pandemic. Yeah. yeah uh, spread the pandemic to, you know, but, um, though again, if there's a climate scientist listening, correct me if I'm wrong. It's not explicitly <laughs> a climate issue. Um, but, um, but you know, but like we play it this outdoor, this outdoor thing in all sorts of climates, like with more and more and more and more extreme weather. You know, the floods, hurricanes. How viable is this forever and ever? You know, um, will 105 degree Texas heat turn into, you know, 115? I mean, I guess, you know, I guess that's why they have a retractable roof now. But then I guess just, you know, an AC blowing <laughs> over test <laughs> situation. Like um, you know, you know, these are things that, that got, you know, just got, just kind of got me thinking like, uh, you know, if, if the league is even attempting, you know, to, uh, you know, I guess throwing all of its billions, you know, in front of the sunrise movement, <laughs> um, you know, I guess making, you know, common sense mitigations <laughs> for the future. I, I, I want you to like say that thought to Rob Manfred yeah, and just like watch his brain like slowly start to melt out of his ears you know like he's been thinking about sign stealing for three months straight and then you're like yeah Mr. Commissioner 
I what if Miami I, doesn't I, exist? I, I, resp- I respect that, <laughs> but have you thought about the floods and the hurricanes that are coming? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think that anybody can ever accuse you of being too uh, small scale, Bradford. I think that you are thinking large about the big picture of the baseball. <laughs> I'm trying to, man. I, I appreciate you allowing me to, to, you know, all but literally vomit my thoughts um, <laughs> on, you know, for the last uh, hour. But like, you know, I, I, it all comes down to this. I really want people to like like my sport, <laughs> but I also, yeah, I want you to like it for the right reasons, not because it's it, it's it's uh, become anodyne political, but because. People say and do things that matter, you know, like, yeah, completely tr- truly like Jackie Robinson, you know, which is why he's an American icon, you know? Yeah. You know, that, that, that is for, for me, what makes, you know, uh, a, not, not all what makes baseball beautiful, but, but, you know, but certainly a, a big part of it, you know, is that, is that, uh, it can be at its very best, a wonderful window into what society is when it's working well. And, but it just so rarely, it just fails to do that so often in so many diverse and creative ways yeah um that are just you know that's what it's one thing's different and I, and I want and I, and I want at least some degree of you know the players develop you know kind of take part of that you know yeah I think in the internet parlance I think we would call baseball all of our problematic faves yeah um Bradford thank you so much for coming on and uh completing the trio of our what will define baseball in 2020 i guess we can add the uh, uh, we can append and beyond onto the end of that now officially um <laughs> if people want to find if you want to find your work what is the best way to uh to find your writing um well you know i tweet most of the things i'm proud of on uh underscore b willie the worst twitter handle of all time it's <laughs> underscore b e e w i l l y because my byline is Bradford William Davis. So if you go on the Daily News and see that, you know, uh, you know, you'll find you'll find me there. Um, I, I'm fortunate I get a lot of freedom to play around with ideas to make surprisingly dumb jokes for a tabloid, um, and uh, you know, and, ho- and hopefully advance, you know, some level of moral conscious even as I try and find my own. I we we look forward to to reading your your piece on how. Major League Baseball adapts to the sunrise movement. Climate change at large. Thank you to Bradford Davis. Thank you to you, Alex, for Aww. fighting through, chilling at home, recording pods with me, which is what we're going to be doing for the foreseeable future. Oh, yeah. Quarantine pods, baby. Let's do it. I do want to say in all seriousness, if everybody who's working from home, everybody who's looking for stuff to do, everybody who's listening to pods all the time, I, I appreciate everybody's commitment to staying at home, self-quarantining, flattening the curve. I know this is all stuff that people tweet and get made fun of for being earnest, but I don't know. It feels It feels important, you know? And there is a certain element for me that's like, Everything felt so surreal. I felt so like detached from myself watching and the NBA and MLB make these announcements because I just I hadn't realized how routine based. I mean, I know how routine based my life is on a day-to-day basis. Like I wake up and take a shower and go to work and 
I text you something stupid about baseball or I DM you a tweet and you don't respond and then I DM you another tweet and then you don't respond and then I DM you a third tweet and then you respond to all three at the same time. That kind of thing is my daily routine. I'll put me on blast. <laughs> but it's just as like a weird and startling reminder of how routine-based like the our culture is and how big of a part of it sports are in that and how serious it starts to feel when that routine gets disrupted. and. I don't know. Sports are stupid and not that important. And we talk about how silly they are frequently. But like, just because they're silly and not important doesn't mean they are not actually important to people. Does that make sense? I know I'm contradicting myself. I, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, and from a larger perspective, I also want to say that like, this has really highlighted how good things could actually be. Like, how much of our society is really just based around the assumption that you're going to kind of part ways with your money, no questions asked. And uh, and this has stopped a lot of those processes. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, AT&T didn't actually have to be gouging me for data overages this whole time. <laughs> so anyways, keep this in mind, folks. Things should be a lot better. I didn't expect this to turn into a payroll tax segment, but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your vigilance. Um, Absolutely. Thank you to everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. We will be tweeting out the link and everything to the game that we're going to be watching every week throughout the week. And we'll create a post for everybody to find that on our website, tippingpitches.adibus.com. Uh, hopefully talk with better news next week. 